Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh Podcast. This is episode 37 on humor and the soul. You know, I I was thinking about sharing and talking about something else, and especially some of the you know the sad things that are going on in the world. And and really, uh, you know, once again, we're gripped with another school shooting and uh, some some nine-year-olds killed and some some uh, school staff members killed and. It's truly sad. It's truly heartbreaking. And there is something that is missing in, in society, in humanity, that we are uh, not addressing. I, I think a, a cross between mental health issues and obviously a lack of spiritual formation, the violence that is prevalent all around us is so overwhelming and tragic and heartbreaking. And then I thought, you know, I and maybe you could use a good laugh. One of the things that I've, I've started doing, I'm not a big social media person other than, you know, I'll scroll, scroll through Facebook and I'll, I'll, or Instagram. I haven't gotten yet onto TikTok. I can't really find a reason for it other than, you know, maybe filming something very quick. But I don't, um, I, I just haven't gotten there yet. And I don't spend a lot of time, but one of the things that I've started to do lately and I've... If you're on uh, Instagram and you're one of my friends, you probably you may or may be getting you know reels that I send to you, funny reels because, uh, and I've just got a whole plethora of them. They know now what reels to send me, just funny clips, funny clips of babies or kids, and definitely of people doing really stupid things, but not like stupid, stupid, not. I don't like it when they're, you know, really making fun of somebody, and I don't like it when they're being stupid on purpose. I like it when, when they don't mean to be stupid and they just do something stupid, like they, you know, they they accidentally walk into a moving truck. I mean, that I, that was an Instagram reel that I saw, or or babies doing something funny, or I love that type of stuff. And so I'll, especially at night as I'm trying to unwind and maybe headed off to bed, I know that that's not really something you're supposed to do. Don't don't be on uh, electronics before you go to bed. But that actually has helped me uh, because I just find myself cracking up. And um, apparently my laugh is very distinct and very loud. And so I'm sure my neighbors wonder if I'm dying, if somebody's killing me because I, I just can't help it. I just start to laugh when, you know, again, something happens, somebody falls, somebody's going down a water slide and they fall off the slide, but they're okay. They get up as long as they get up and they're okay, then I'll, I'll be laughing. I am that type of person, unfortunately, where if you fall, my first instinct will be, oh my gosh, are they okay? And then if I see you're okay, I will start laughing. It's just, it just comes up out of me. I try to stop it. And there have been times and, and situations where it has not always been, and you know, you probably have been there too, when it's not like, you know, you're in church or something, or you're in class, or you're at work, or in you're in a meeting, and you're not supposed to laugh, but it makes you want to laugh even more, especially if somebody says something funny or shows you something funny. You just it it's just natural. You just you just want to laugh, right? I think there's something contagious about it, about laughter. I know there scientifically is something contagious about smiles that that if you smile, that not only will others tend to smile back at you, 
but they do say it does lift your mood, even smiling, even just right now where you are, just starting to just, just start to smile. And if you're around people and they're watching you and it starts to freak them out, it's okay. Just, just, just smile. Supposedly, scientifically, it's supposed to actually elevate your mood. And I, I think the same thing happens with humor. I think that's why we are attracted to people who make us laugh, who are, have, you know, bring some levity to situations, who can uh, crack a joke even in uh, maybe serious situations. Um, there's something about humor, and, and the scripture tells us this. In, in Proverbs 17:22, it says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And, you know, the King James Version, of course, says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Isn't it just sometimes the King James, it just feels more satisfying to say it. It, it, there's just something about it where it's just like, oh, I, I, I can trust those words. It's a little bit the old English and the Shakespearean English, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And it's true that with so much pain and hurt and trauma, so much bad news, so much difficulty, so many challenges, it's it's really great to be able to laugh once in a while and to find humor in situations. I had the privilege recently of attending a conference and at the conference there were some graduate students doing their symposium. It's essentially like a, a presentation of their final project for their, for their degree or their thesis and they have to do it in front of people. And one of the grad students was doing it on, um, on humor in the Bible. And her title was, Did Jesus Joke? A big shout out to uh, Felice Esposito. Um, yes, she likes her last name pronounced like that. Uh, for, for that presentation, she did an excellent job. And, and the title was, Did Jesus Joke? And then for the next you know, 15 to 20 minutes, she was sharing, um, it did really good, uh, really, really scholarly work, but also you know, threw some humor in there and used some probably modern memes and pictures uh, uh, to reflect that humor that is in the Bible that, you know, I think sometimes gets lost on us because of culture and, and language. And um, it's hard to know when somebody is making a joke, if it's written down. And, uh, but, but really did a good job of portraying some things that, you know, that, and, and made a good point that the that the unexpected moments in the Bible, uh, things that the audience would not have expected, is meant to kind of arrest or draw their attention to a situation. It can be humorous, but I love that she spent time doing that. I, I love that idea of a part of our makeup as humans part of our emotions, a part of our being is humor. Now, I don't like humor that puts people down. In fact, there are some TV shows that I, I might struggle to watch if they're constantly putting people down. I, I love the show, The Office, but there are times when it's just like, dude, Michael, like chill, stop being mean to poor Toby. Like give the guy a break. I mean, now Toby, he doesn't always help himself because he, you know, he's kind of got this long Eeyore face uh, like Winnie the Pooh in the Winnie the Pooh series. But, 
you know, I, there's those types of things that I, I can only stand for so long. And I don't like like corny, like truly, truly slapstick, uh, humor, but there are times when like, you know, people again, falling and, and hurting themselves or, uh, something unexpected happening. And, and I really like, uh, that, that Felice really brought that out in her presentation that, that the unexpected, something that really kind of jars the audience, something slips out of somebody's hand, uh, somebody falls, some, somebody interrupts the, the situation, the kind of the crazy, the, the um, again, the things that you wouldn't, wouldn't normally be there. They're meant to kind of disrupt at times, disrupt the story, disrupt the situation, and they can be funny. They can be humorous. I think, you know, for the most part, I think that is common in all societies that we can, you know, appreciate and find the humor in something unexpected happening that's obviously not too dangerous or not tragic, but that allows a situation to be lighter. Again, think about, you know, when you're in church and you're trying not to laugh, maybe somebody breaks wind, as they would say, passes gas, or I, I don't know other euphemisms to say, uh, you know, farting, but, you know, somebody does that in church, and all of a sudden, maybe, or maybe you heard it, uh, or maybe you just smell it. How do you stay quiet in that type of a situation? In fact, I remember years ago, I had the privilege of, of uh, uh, going uh, Jeannie Mayo is just has to be one of the most, if not the most amazing youth pastor ever. And uh, many years ago, I visited her church when it was in Rockford, Illinois, and she was a youth pastor there. And I, I had the opportunity to sit in one of her sessions as she was talking to this group of students. They were master's commission students, and I guess they have a weekly meeting with her. And so, um, and it was right before Easter, and the whole group of them, I think it was like hundreds, hundreds of students in this Master's Commission discipleship program, and, and they were all tired. She's like, you know, are you, are you all tired? I mean, it's, it's getting close to Easter, and everybody's like, yeah, we're so tired. We don't want to lecture. We don't, wanna, we don't want you to preach at us, and so she's like, all right, so I'm just going to talk, and she just starts talking and sharing stories and sharing funny stories, and I, I guess one of the, one, something that happened to her um, when she was counseling a student one time is that, uh, this student let wind, uh, <laughs> in a counseling session. And I think it, it was kind of like nobody wanted to acknowledge that it had happened. And, and, uh, the person just kind of earnestly kept, kept trudging along and, and, uh, um, and she's doing her best not to laugh, but those are funny situations, right? Something out of the, out of the ordinary, something you don't expect, something, uh, uh, you know, like you, you say something unexpected, um, but especially in situations where you're supposed to be taking it seriously and you're supposed to be focused and you're supposed to be, um, you know, not doing the, doing the unexpected, you're supposed to be proper or it's everybody's in silent, uh, meditation or whatever it is. It's hard in those situations and it makes you want to laugh even more. I have got plenty of funny, embarrassing stories about myself, especially being in situations that are awkward um, or, you know, talk about trying to be reverent and very somber in, in situations. Years ago, back, way back when, when I was a teenager, 
at the church that I grew up in, we had uh, kneelers or altars that uh, were at the front. And it, it's not a Catholic church, it, but it, it was really cool in that even though it was kind of old school, it felt, it didn't feel old school. So at the very front, there were the altar, uh, these, these kind of benches where you could go and pray, pray. And of course, you know, there would be altar calls in these services, but Sunday nights, back when they had Sunday night service, Sunday night uh, would be kind of like an extended time of just being around the altar and praying and worshiping. So you weren't at the altar necessarily because you were repenting of something or because you had done something wrong, but you were just there almost like, you know, the church would just kind of move into the altar and, and using an old, old religious term would tarry, would wait, essentially would just kind of wait upon the Lord, the Lord's presence and just pray and pray for others and worship and all that. Well, way back when, um, that, you know, my growing up in my family, we had to wear dresses as girls and, and to church. And so in the morning we could wear dresses, but at night we could be a little bit more casual, which means we could wear like a skirt in the top. So I'm there at the altar and I'm worshiping and praying and, and, you know, having a good whatever time with God. And, but I'm in a skirt and, and believe me, men, you will, won't understand this, but especially if you've been in a church setting like that, you have to be thinking about your dress or, or how you are dressed in those types of church situations. If you've grown up in church, old school church or church like that, you know what I'm talking about. So those who are come from like a Pentecostal or charismatic tradition, and they're used to being, um, what we call slain in the spirit. I, I found out, um, a, a few years ago that some people in the South call it falling out. I'm falling out. Like if somebody prays on you and you fall back that you're falling out. Well, in my, you know, growing up, we called it being slain in the spirit. And so you, you gotta be thinking about that when you're going to church, like how should I dress so that nothing improper happens in case, you know, I'm slain in the spirit or I need to kneel down at the altar or, you know, stuff like that. So I had very properly and carefully kneeled down very properly. I mean, my mom would be proud of me and I'm in this skirt and I'm kneeling at the altar and I knew I have to get, you know, I have to get up carefully, right? Cause I'm kneeling and I, I I'm thinking I'm going to go back to the pew that's right behind me and I'm going to sit down. And so I, I look around kind of over my shoulder just briefly because I'm up, you know, I'm up praying. I'm trying to be somber. I'm not trying to, you know, draw attention to myself or start waving flags or anything. And so I'm just carefully looking over my shoulder in, and I think I looked in both directions and I didn't see anybody. So either I didn't look well enough. Well, I guess it could be one of three options. Either I didn't look well enough or I don't have good peripheral vision, or uh, somebody slipped in there in the spot where I was headed. And so as I'm getting up from the ground, very care, again, very, very daintily careful, you know, as a, as a female should in a skirt, getting up from the pew, and I begin to walk backwards. Why didn't I turn around and face the pew? I was just trying to be very somber and not somber, but very reverent. And, and I was doing it, trying to be very smooth. I, I think that was probably 
my first problem. I, I was trying to be too graceful, too smooth, and I should have just turned around, but I didn't. So I start backing up slowly, backing up slowly, and I begin to sit on what I think is the pew. And when I hear this sound, whoa, and, and uh, very quickly realize that I am about to sit on some man's lap, a guy I didn't know, um, I never found out if he was cute or unmarried because I was way too embarrassed to even look at this guy. I quickly kind of, I don't even, I don't even turn around. I, I mean, I just very quickly like sidestep to the right a few steps and then sit down and then close my eyes for the rest of the service. I mean, I'm waiting until they're turning off the lights in this church. I don't want to look at anybody so embarrassed. I don't know if anybody noticed. It's more than likely that everybody else in the church are, have their, you know, they're focused on themselves. It's typically we are, or their eyes are closed or whatever. But I was so embarrassed. I'm waiting until the very, very, very end. Uh, again, I never really saw the guy. I don't know what he thought, if, if he thought I was hitting on him. Um, I definitely was not. If you were that guy, I was not hitting on you. Actually, it depends upon whether you're good. No, I was not. I was not. I promise I was not hitting on you. Um, but, you know, those, those, and looking back years later, of course, I can laugh at it now, but in that moment, um, probably what would have been great is if, is if somebody had seen me and somebody had laughed, I think it would have broken uh, the awkwardness of that experience. But I think it was all done kind of in good nature. And he, whoever the guy was, he knew that I wasn't trying to, trying to sit on him. I just didn't turn around and, and carefully look. Speaking of sitting on things, there is a, another story that's, that's not so much embarrassing, uh, funny, but very, 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 very painful. It is, uh, it's the story of the curling iron and myself. Um, why, why is there a curling iron involved in this story? I have curly hair, was born with curly hair, it seems like. It seems like it came out I came out curly haired. Um, in fact, I, my hair was so curly that when I was younger, my dad used to call me Goldilocks. I had this white blonde curly hair. And then as it grew out, it got really long and thick. Um, but, but it's essentially been, been curly most of, most of my life. And so I've, I've, yeah, curling irons were not something I ever needed, but my sister, one of my sisters liked to use them. And so, um, in, in one, and you know who you are, um, in one situation, my brother and I were in my room and we were playing Barbies. And that part is not important to the story, but I always like to bring it up because I think it's funny that my brother and I are playing Barbies. Now, I think it was kind of a trade-off that I would play G.I. Joe with him if he would play Barbies with me. Um, and of course, he was always Ken, right? So um, you know, he, it's not like he's playing the female Barbies. He's playing, you know, a guy, guy and girl, and there's enough Kens to go around and all that kind of stuff. So we're playing Barbies and in my room, there's a big mirror over my dresser. Um, it, it was a room and furniture that I inherited it from my, my older brothers and sisters, of course. So I don't, you know, remember how it got there or why we had it. I didn't really use it a whole lot, but my older sister was in there and she was, while my brother and I were in there playing, she was also in there just kind of, you know, curling her hair and look, just kind of looking at herself in the mirror and, 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 you know, um, just, just 
you know, seeing different hairstyles and, and all that kind of stuff. And so at one point she leaves and the curling iron is still plugged in. It's still on, but it drops. It's on the dresser and it drops and it lands on my foot. And the funny thing is that I can still remember the shoes that I was wearing and I can remember it, I think it's slightly tin, like, like singed part of the shoe. And so um, I remember thinking too, I don't remember a whole lot from my childhood, but I remember this. I remember thinking, oh, that's a dangerous place for the curling iron. I better put it somewhere safe. Pause for dramatic effect right here. I better put it somewhere safe. So... For whatever reason, I thought that the chair behind me was a safe spot. Thinking, of course, I will remember that there's, well, not even thinking that, but I'm assuming that's what I was thinking. I don't remember, but I'm assuming I'm thinking that's a safer place. Well, a little bit later on, I'm still in my room playing Barbies. My brother has left. My sister never came back. I kept it on, and I remember thinking, I kept it on in case she wanted to come back and keep curling her hair. It, it's not like she told me to, or I had to. I just thought, oh, I'll be nice, and you know, she may want to come back. Well, I'm in my room, alone, playing Barbies, and I forgot that the curling iron was on the chair right behind me. And I proceeded to sit down. This is one of those moments, and you may have had it as well, where your body reacts faster than your mind. All of a sudden, I found myself jerking up. So I sat down and then I, my body jerked up and I, I didn't, my mind couldn't compute what was going on. I did not, the pain was so bad and it was so like immediate. My body jerked into action before my mind could even process what was going on. And apparently I started screaming. I don't remember screaming. I just remember my body just like standing up very quickly. And apparently I was bending over and apparently I'm screaming so loud that the sister um, who had been curling her hair, she rushes into my room, opens the door and she looks at me and I'm bending over screaming. She doesn't know why at this point. And I don't know how many seconds uh, the curling iron is still attached to my leg. I don't know how many seconds it takes for her to realize what is going on. I don't know if I, I do not remember. I don't remember if I said anything. I just, I just remember her rushing into the room. And I think I remember her finally like coming around behind me and peeling the curling iron off of my leg. And I, I feel like I must have blacked out because I don't remember anything until like later on, uh, lying on a big orange cushion in my, t in our TV room at the time and laying on my stomach and like trying to keep, I don't know what we were putting on it. It was a total third degree burn. It was not, it was not a, a good situation, but um, you know, basically like a wounded, uh, wounded soldier just kind of lying there face down. And, uh, again, I have no idea what we put on the leg, but it, 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 it's, it's one of those things, of course, that we laugh at today. And, and she feels, I think she feels, I think she feels bad. I think, I think she feels bad. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, is, it's, 
it's kind of it's humorous for its irony obviously because the curling iron wasn't for me uh but it's also uh definitely one of those things that my body will will not forget uh, and it's interesting how in those situations that you know again my body is reacting way before my mind i don't think my mind understood what was happening until a lot later it just knew like the the signal to my brain to tell my brain to tell my body to stand up because something was painful um and and i will get a little bit more gross and tell you that on this curling iron yes there is still the skin well i mean it's gone now i hope um but the skin from my leg was on this curling iron. i don't know why i felt the need to tell you that but um we did keep that curling around iron around for a while um i don't know maybe it was used as kind of a a punishment like maybe they would bring it out every once in a while if i were if i was being bad and they would just kind of bring the curling iron in front of me as if to say, you know, you better be careful. This could happen to you again. Um, that was, uh, the scar is still there and uh, I don't I don't look at it a whole lot because it's, it's not a pleasant scar, but uh, definitely, definitely something to remember. And, and then of course I burned myself a few years later making fudge, but that one was worth it because it's fudge. So, um, but I have a nice, I have a nice, uh, uh, another heart-shaped, maybe inch, inch by two inches uh, in diameter, heart-shaped scar on my arm. Uh, fire and heat and those types of things are, uh, I don't do, I don't do well with those types of things. And those are, I mean, my family members can share worse stories and worse injuries. Uh, my brother got shot in the arm with a BB gun and um, another brother got, got, I think he broke his collarbone. They were playing some type of some type of game. I think it was where where you tripped each other, and that I, it's supposedly a game. And he broke his collarbone. My uh, one of my sisters was riding her tricycle, I think, and, and um, it was actually really gross because she fell off her. I think it was a tricycle, and her chin went into the gravel road of the street, and she had to. I think she had to get stitches and there was another time she swallowed uh, a, a coffee stir and it was in her for like a few days she wasn't crying about it but a few days before they took her to the doctors and was like yeah you've got a you've got a she's got a coffee stir down in her throat we've we've all been and i'm sure you've got some horror stories too i did find out early early on that i was even though i'm 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 pretty I'm pretty good like with sports type stuff. I can shoot a basket, I can throw a football, I can, you know, um, I can hit a ball, a baseball, I can throw a ball. I found out pretty early that I'm not good at like gymnastic type stuff. I I can't do a cartwheel. I don't think I've ever been able to do a cartwheel. Um, I used to be able to do somersaults. Now I'm older, I haven't tried. It's a, it's a part of my life I can leave, you know, there. I, I'm getting too old for that. But never been able to do a cartwheel, never been able to do those those types of things. And, and they used to have these, like, I don't know what they were called, maybe T-bars, if that makes sense. Um, it, it's like a big staple, you know, like a, where you staple papers together. I think that's what it was called, the T-bar. And I don't see them on playgrounds anymore because I think they figured out that they're dangerous. Um, but on this playground, they had one. And I used to see girls and guys, you know, swinging around. So you sit up on this bar and you hold your, you, you put your hands on the bar 
And, and actually you can put them like to the sides of your legs and between your legs and you swing around, like you can swing down and then you swing up, you pop up, um, and you have to swing fast and you have to hold tight and, you know, but you can do all sorts of gymnastics tricks. Well, I can't. And I found that out by trying, uh, I got on there and was trying to swing. I was sitting and I tried to swing down and pop back up. And instead of swinging down and popping back up, I swung down and my face did a face plant into the ground and uh, got a bloody nose. I think, I think that may have been the injury that, that caused me to have a deviated septum. I, it didn't occur to me until maybe a year or two ago, I've got a deviated septum. And so some, some chronic sinus issues, but I wonder if I actually like damaged my nose or broke my nose, there was blood. There was a lot of blood. That's all I know. Um, but, and I did find out very quickly that I am, I am not good at, at gymnastics type stuff. I also found out pretty, well, I mean, I was an adult by this time, but at least not too far along in my adult years. But I also found out that I needed glasses and I found that out while driving. Um, that a couple of different experiences of, driving at night and uh, thinking a driveway or uh, thinking a sidewalk was a driveway somehow driving right into the curb and popping a tire and that was all done with youth from my youth group in my car so that was wonderful Uh, and then another time pulling out of a gas station and driving the wrong way down a street thinking that it was like a two-lane road Um, but it wasn't there was a divider and I was driving down the wrong side of the road at night, not, um, and finally occurring as cars are honking at me that I'm actually going the wrong way. Thankfully, nothing happened there, thankfully. Um, but I've also had, and you've had these two uh, experiences maybe where you, we've been absent-minded and done something, um, you know, thankfully I've not left a kid anywhere. Um, but I know that happens to some parents, just no judgment, parents, no judgment. Um, I mean, judgment, if it's really long, like if it's hours, come on, like, you know, but it, it happens even to, to, um, the best of us where you kind of lose a kid, especially if you have more than one kid. Um, or if the kid is very stealthy, if they like to, like, they're very sneaky, Um, I I won't call her out. You know who you are. One of my nieces is really stealthy and really sneaky. Um, And she she just has a way of kind of of not getting lost. But uh, when she was really young, she used to take things, not not trying to steal them, but she would take them and hide them. And it was like a game. And so you wouldn't even notice. So you'd maybe come home and you'd you'd put like your keys down somewhere, your phone. And you would look again, you'd turn away for a second, you look again, it's gone. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do with my keys or my phone? I'm losing my mind. And she has taken it and hidden it away in this little stash area. And I think they found it at various times. And essentially she had money in there. She had extra keys. She had, I don't know what she had in there, but I think there was a time when she got lost in a, in a Walmart, but I, I, I definitely, I don't blame you know, her parents. I think that was her just kind of sneaking off somewhere. I don't know what she was doing in that time that she was lost. Maybe she found some food or candy or, or something, but we've, you know, we've, we've all done things in an absent-minded way, right? And, 
my absent-minded, or at least one of them, experiences was, you know, on my way to work one day, I, I stopped into a Starbucks and um, I remember being in it like, you know, like a decent mood, a good mood. And I remember, you know, waiting my turn and going up to the, the barista and uh, I ordered my uh, coffee and I proceeded to pay for it. And after I paid for it, I proceeded to walk right out of the store without my coffee, got into my car, like, like, I don't know, like I, like I was just ready to go, got into my car and it was not until I was halfway to work that I realized where's my coffee. And at first, I mean, I was so absent-minded that at first I thought I had left it on my car, on the top of my car, because I have done that. Well, not with a coffee, but I've left a wallet or like a, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a bifold, not a bifold, but you know, where you keep, uh, uh, like a little thing with your money and credit cards and coins, whatever, whatever, girls females use and I left it on top of my car once and um it flew away and and that wasn't good but and so I thought did I leave this coffee like on top of my car and I expected I kind of looked really quick and I looked at my windows expected to see like coughing running down it I honestly could not remember what I had done with it I don't remember when I finally realized that I ordered the drink I paid for it, and then instead of going to the, you know, where you go, you go to the, the part of the, the kind of the coffee bar where you just stand there and wait. Instead of doing that, I just walked right out of the store and got into my car as, as if I had my coffee and then didn't realize it until I'm halfway to work. We've all done those types of, those types of absent-minded things, um, And of course, it just reflects the the busyness of our lives that uh, we can get so engrossed in something that you know we can not notice what's going on around us. But life is life is full of humor. It is it's full of a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, a lot of challenges. But it also is full of of humor, and it is full of the simplicities of humor, you know, watching a cat get scared. They really are scaredy cats. Like there's a, there's a reason they get that, that nickname where dogs pretend to be, pretend to be all very strong. And then they get scared at something or, um, scaring others, you know, in a playful way or getting scared or, um, or just enjoying the various mannerisms that we have and the way we say things with various inflections and, Life is full of, of humor, even in the midst of, of challenge and tragedy. And I know that even in some of my most difficult moments, being able to laugh and being surrounded by people who could make me laugh or uh, being in a situation where others are telling stories and able, and able to laugh, that those are, are moments to be treasured. And... I think I want to encourage you wherever you are at in your spiritual journey and wherever you are at today that if it is a difficult time for you, if it is a painful time, find somebody, a friend or somebody who you know can make you laugh and spend some time with them. 
go on Instagram and watch some funny baby cat dog whatever type of thing and allow it to lift your spirits life will life will have so much more pain it 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 feels like at times that pain and difficulty only seem to get worse in life but uh, the older I get I find that that at times the more I am able to laugh at at certain things and maybe even things that years ago I I wouldn't have laughed at not bad things but I think the humor while pain has increased in life I think the humor has increased even more and so go and find yourself somebody who will make you laugh or sit by somebody who laughs a lot and and you can enjoy them laughing and allow this moment to even if it's briefly allow that scripture to be true in proverbs 17 22 where a cheerful heart is good medicine to whatever it is that you may be struggling with and not again denying the difficulties or challenges that you are facing but almost putting those things on pause and taking a brief moment to smile to laugh and to appreciate those things in life that are positive well thanks for listening this time i hope you've enjoyed um, some some humor and laughing at at some of my painful uh stories and i would love to hear yours actually and so if you if you've got a, a funny story or humorous story just share it send it to me email the podcast at gmail.com or as i'm sharing it in the various apps and social media just respond and share your own funny stories and let's let's take an opportunity to laugh with maybe even at you know one another and and do it together as we as we journey together well thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time